This episode of Barrel Tasting is brought to you by Visit Loudon, the tourist office for the Loco Ale Trail. With 35 breweries and counting, Loudoun County is one of the most vibrant craft beer destinations in the U.S. Listen, it has a diversity of settings that no other region can match. Now, Visit Loudoun invites you to hit the Loco Ale Trail, which connects the urban breweries of Sterling and Ashburn in the east to everything from bespoke tap rooms in historic towns to farm breweries with stunning Blue Ridge Mountain views out west. On any given day, enjoy one of more than 300 unique craft beers on tap, some made with traditional ingredients while others test your taste buds with unique add-ins like graham crackers and macadamia nuts. Enjoy live music, trivia evenings, fire pits, food trucks. There's always a warm and welcome atmosphere from dynamic brewmasters eager to showcase their award-winning craft ales, pilsners, lagers, stouts, IPAs, and more. So here's what you need to do. Grab your Ale Trail Passport to collect stamps, win prizes, and say cheers in Loudoun Beer Country. For more information, check out the Visit Loudoun website at visitloudoun.org. That's V-I-S-I-T-L-O-U-D-O-U-N.org. Now let's get back to the show. You get one shot a year to do this. Yeah. And so, you know, having that track record, you know, really helps. So, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you know, guys like, you know, Nate or, or Doug Fabioli or, you know, Jordan Harris. I mean, there, there's so many, you know, talented people here that are really trying to push the envelope mm-hmm. and, you know, it's exciting and invigorating for, for everybody, you know? So I, you know, if there's a bottle of Virginia wine, you've never had it, just buy it, just drink it, you know? I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's wine. It's not going to hurt you. <laughs> this is Barrel Tasting with Howard Fletcher, a podcast that shines a light on the best winemakers, craft brewers, and spirit distillers in the DMV. So grab a glass of your favorite adult beverage. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and let's get started. Thank you, Asia. Hello and welcome to Barrel Tasting. I'm Howard Fletcher. To record today's show, I had the pleasure of traveling to a vineyard, winery, and tasting room that has one of, if not the most breathtaking and picturesque vistas in Loudoun County. And although it was a very foggy morning when I went down there and visibility was a bit compromised, a little bit, it was still a sight to behold. However, since this is a podcast and I can't share what it looked like with you, you'll just have to go visit. And it's on my social media in case you can't wait. The place is Bluemont Vineyard, and my guest today is their winemaker, Scott Spellbring. But first, I want to ask you to please subscribe and rate the podcast if you've not done so already. It helps us grow, and it only takes a few seconds. So please go do it now. I'll wait. Thank you. And Barrel Tasting with Howard Fletcher is also now available on Alexa. Just say, Alexa, open Barrel Tasting Podcast, and the latest episode of my show will show and play on your device. That's pretty cool. Now check this out. In 1993, the Zerschmied family purchased a farm in Bluemont, Virginia, which became home to great country farms. And that's a place that produces an abundance of delicious produce. You should check it out sometime. Now as the Zerschmieds nurtured the soil back into full production, they had a vision and they articulated it the best on their website. So I'm just going to read it. Quote, For years, we gazed up at the mountain from the fields of great country farms and envisioned planting grapes on the sunny slopes. As simple dirt farmers, 
Our goal is to provide a relaxed atmosphere and approachable tasting experience for our guests to embrace the fruits of our farm labors, end quote. So that's exactly what they did. The land is now home to not only great country farms, but Bluemont Vineyard, Henway Hard Cider, and Dirt Farm Brewing. Next week, we'll be talking about the cider, and I'm looking forward to that. So please tune in. But today, it's all about wine. So with no further ado, here's my conversation with Scott Spellbring, head winemaker of Bluemont Vineyard in Bluemont, Virginia. Let's all raise a glass. All right, well, I'm here on a nice St. Patrick's Day uh, in Bluemont, Virginia at Bluemont Vineyard. And I'm here with the winemaker, Scott Spellbring. Correct. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, last week, I interviewed uh, Kitty Henley of Red mm-hmm. Castanel Vineyard. Mm-hmm. And uh, that situation almost parallels this one in that it's a family affair, mm-hmm. multiple generations. So real quick, can you kind of give me a background of, of how Bluemont Vineyard came to be? Yeah, so actually I have a few few notes. So there's, there's, there's some other, other people that, that usually do the tours. Um, so in 1993, the kind of great country farm, you know, property across the street was purchased. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, the, uh, the family, the Zerchmeads, had been kind of farming in Loudoun County, uh, believe they they were kind of leasing around 400 acres, you know, in, in various spots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of it was, you know, just the, the moving of equipment from from farm to farm to farm, you know, as traffic started to increase was, you know, it was getting a little, little dicey. So, yeah, they were looking more for a homestead. And so in 93, they purchased Great Country Farms and the, uh, the 100 acres that is also Bluemont, you know, winery and, and vineyard at this point. 2007, the winery started, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I think the first grapes kind of came into production right around then. And so the winery was was a bit of a, a joint venture between Mark Searchmead, uh, Bob, and Lori from O1B Vineyards. Okay. Or now O1B Vineyards. It was just, just boom on at the time. In 2015, Dirt Farm Brewing started up, and that was with Mark's brother, um, uh, Bruce and his wife, Janelle. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, Henway Cidery started, you know, kind of across the street. So, wow. Got quite an operation going here. Absolutely. Yeah. I look forward to speaking to you later about the, uh, the Cidery. Mm-hmm. That's going to be next week for those of you listening. Um, so when did you start here as the winemaker or were you always the winemaker? No. So I started in 2016 in, I think early, maybe late July. So I started in time to uh, finish out the, the blending of the 2015 uh, vintage that the previous winemaker had, had started. Put those together, got them in a bottle, and about two weeks later, we were in the harvest. Mm-hmm. So coming into a 400-plus acre, you know, kind of, kind of farm estate where everything's spread out, was a bit of a challenge just, you know, getting thrown in and trying to figure <laughs> out where things were and, you know, this and that and that. Right. So, um, well, was what was your background before then? So before this, uh, I was at Sunset Hills with, mm-hmm. with Nate Walsh. Yeah. So I was with him for a little over four years. Um, prior to that, I was working with a, a few other vineyards in, you know, more of the uh, uh, Prince William, you know, Fauquier, you know, county areas. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a, a five-acre vineyard on my own property in, in uh, Prince William County. Where were you growing there? I was growing uh, Viognier, Vidal Blanc, 
and Cabernet Sauvignon with uh, some small test blocks of Malbec, Syrah, and Chardonnay. Wow. Nate was on the show. I had, I had Nate on the show oh, a good. couple months ago. Good. I'm tempted, but I won't. <laughs> Unless you want to go there. I was, when you were telling me that, I was like, wow, so you guys were making wine together yes. at Sunset Hills. Yep. So would you say that you guys have similar styles? Yeah. 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 I, you know, I, I learned a lot from Nate. And, you know, what, what was great with Nate is, you know, we were in a, a constant state of expansion at Sunset as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so... When I got in there, you know, I spent a year or two, you know, with him kind of in the cellar. And then, you know, I think that freed him up to also concentrate on expanding our vineyards. And, you know, our vineyards were in, you know, five different locations. So, you know, we had, you know, two different sites in the Shenandoah, um, you know, one site in Upperville, another site in, you know, kind of Aldi, and then also the, the Sunset Hills property. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's just a lot of running around. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I, I hopefully, you know, he was confident enough to, you know, leave, <laughs> leave me there and, and take care of things, you know, while, while he was driving all day. Yeah. So. Were you always planning to be a winemaker or did you have other aspirations before I'm, getting into winemaking? I'm on a 10 year plan. Like every, <laughs> every 10 years, I, I kind of switch gears a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, coming up, teenager, I was, you know, musician, you know, wannabe rock star. So I, I went and I did that for a bunch of years. And then... What do you play? Uh, drums are my main. Mm-hmm. But, you know, eventually I made a career as a, a recording engineer and record producer and, and things like that. Yes. I ended up in my early 20s, you know, after a, after a really, really bad touring experience, kind of, you know, coming back to my parents, you know, tail between my legs, you know, it just, just broke. Right. Um, and ended up in, at a technology company that was, you know, up and coming. And I spent, you know, eight and a half years there and and it was a, it was a wild ride. Then I went back into music for another 10 years or so. And then a winery was, was built near my recording studio. And so I would, you know, kind of pass it every day as, yeah, the the winery was being built, and you know I'd have uh, you know bands in town for you know two six weeks at a time, and so we we're always looking for for things to break up the day. So we just started hanging out at the winery, um, and from there, you know, I got to know the winemaker, and when I had downtime, I'd come over and help, and so I started to kind of take on you know cellar rat type type mm-hmm. duties, and you know would work uh, you know the bottling lines and you know things like that, and so. That kind of triggered, you know, my, my start, if you will. You know, I don't think back then, I mean, the, the wine industry was so small here. You know, there really was no exposure. There was no, like, hey, I want to do that. Right. You know? And, you know, the wineries weren't all that good. And, mm-hmm. you know, so you're kind of one and done. You go out to one and you're like, eh, you know. And then, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm going to go back home and drink more Jack Daniels. Right, but, right. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of grew into it. But I liked, um, you know, I put in my own vineyard and then decided I wanted to start making more wine. And, um, you know, I really liked kind of the, the artistic similarities between making records and making wine, you know, which is, you know, you start with all these different pieces or in the case of music, different tracks and everything else and kind of put it all together. You know, you could work on an album for, you know, six months to a year. Eventually, you know, you put it out and you hope somebody's going to like it. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with wine. You know, you've got all these components and eventually, you know, you put it together and you put it out there and you hope people are going to like it and enjoy it and buy it. Right. So, yeah, the, the similarities, you know, you know, we're, we're pretty, 
you know, pretty on point. So I yeah. just kind of decided to go with this. Wow. See, I, I've interviewed quite a few winemakers here. Many of them, first surprisingly to me, but then when I thought about it, it wasn't surprising. A lot of them came from, say, tech and scientific mm-hmm. backgrounds. Yeah. But they always talk about the fact that even though they can cobble together a wine uh, chemically correctly, mm-hmm. that it would take it takes the art artist right. to make it make it the way it has to be. Right. I think you're the first, at least that to my knowledge, maybe we didn't, never got on the conversation, artist <laughs> that <laughs> right. I that I've interviewed that went into the business. That's very interesting. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. Wow. You, you said you mentioned you had five acres of your own mm-hmm. that you worked. And then you had that uh, experience at Sunset Hills. You said four hundred acres acres here? So four four hundred acres for the farm total. Okay. So, how many vine? How many are? So we're just are? shy of fifty acres under vine here. Mm-hmm. Um, not all producing. Most will come online this year. Um, at least third leaf, third and fourth leaf. A few, you know, are second leaf. So, you know, in another year or so, you know, we should be, you know, kind of eighty percent capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, another year after that, we should be closer to to max. We also lease a vineyard in Waterford, and then I have two other vineyards in Waterford that are under contract as well. Mm. Um, you know, for for multi year, you know, where where we get specific varietals from. Yeah, yeah. So. Now this is another place. Those of you who listen to my podcast know I have to confess when I've been to a place I'm interviewing somebody I've never been here before. Mm-hmm. This is, and this isn't unlike. I mean, a lot of places in Virginia are beautiful. This is particularly picturesque. Right. And it, this is a foggy day. Those of you, you know, follow me on social media. I took a little video beforehand. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that the fog is very uh, kind of nice. But the, uh, I can tell that this view here would just be that fantastic without yeah. the fog. Yeah, 20, the 20 mile views and, yeah. you know, gorgeous sunsets and sunrises. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will be here this summer <laughs> if, you know, fingers crossed, if all goes well with, right. with everything. All right, well, let's get into your the, the grapes. I, I mentioned beforehand, that's what I like to talk about a lot. And, mm-hmm. and you are, your responsibilities also include uh, the grapes out yep. here. So on this property mm-hmm. here, what varietals do you grow? All right, let me see if I can remember this. So <laughs> so uh, kind of established before I came on, um, we've got a, a very large Norton planting. Ah. Um, and they're, they're all uh, from cuttings. They're all own-rooted. So Norton... Petite Mansang, Viognier, Albarino, Merlot, Cab Franc, and Petit Verdot. Mm-hmm. So those were kind of all already established, and we've, we've built up from there. We started aggressively planting three years ago, um, you know, with some touch-ups four years ago. Amongst that is uh, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Tanat, Cabernet Sauve, and a um, uh, much larger plantings of Merlot and Cabernet Franc. So, so the Tanat is re- is are newer vines here, or I mean, as far as you planting them, I don't know if the vines themselves are. Yeah, new, they they should. Yeah, yeah. Should so you haven't you haven't uh, bottled any, or not not any? from the estate. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of Tanat. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm I'm excited. So we've got yeah. um, some third leaf coming on this year mm-hmm. and some second leaf. So. Um, It'll, it'll be interesting to see see how they do, but I'm excited. Now, in those varietals you named, that include the Waterford properties? Uh, uh, no, that's just okay. the estate here. Okay, what are you growing out there? So, Waterford, I've got one property where I get Tanat from, hmm. another property where I get uh, 
Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc from. And another property where we've got Viognier, Merlot, Albarino, and Petit Mansang is our core. Um, and then there's a section of the vineyard that is not under lease with us mm-hmm. um, that were they're they're entering their their third third leaf on Albarino. Um, so or uh, sorry, Sauvignon Blanc. So we'll be taking that this year as well as additional uh, Petit Bordeaux and uh, Vidal Blanc from them. Now, I know Sunset Hills has quite of a wide swath of grapes and varietals mm-hmm. that they use. Is there anything that you're growing here that you haven't worked with yet and you're really kind of excited as a winemaker to do, or, or do you have experience with everything? Um, you know, Sauvignon Blanc was a new one for, for us last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that came from a different property. And, and I've worked a little bit with Sauvignon Blanc with Nate, um, but I learned a lot from working with it this past year. And, and it was, it was different because it was also from a new vineyard that I hadn't worked with before. And, um, you know, so I, I learned a lot from it and I'm going to make some substantial changes, you know, with, with how we do that this year. Mm-hmm. So now the, of the, since you've been here, there are, is there some wine in the bottle now that you can get that you are everything. responsible for everything? Yeah. Everything. everything. Okay. Yeah. Is there a particular blend or varietal or something that's your favorite or that you're particularly proud of? You know, so we've got a Bordeaux-style uh, blend called Ascent mm-hmm. uh, that, that's done really, really well for us. And, you know, it's just kind of our, our higher end, um, you know, fairly typical, you know, Cab Franc, you know, Merlot, Cab Sau, Petit Verdot. We we did in this past year include a little bit of Tanat into that as well. Mm-hmm. We released a, a wine called Summit, you know, which really doesn't have a defined blend. So, so we, we released it last year as a, the first time through. And so it was a 2017 vintage and it was, um, you know, three, three different, um, kind of core groups of Merlot. And so different vineyards and or hard press, um, you know, so, so that's just kind of, kind of fun, but that label will kind of change a little bit each year, you know, so with, with no definition to it, it's kind of the beauty of, you know, having more of a, you know, a fanciful name, you know, rather than, you know, hey, it's Merlot or it's, you know, this or that or that. Right. You know, we can kind of go wherever the, the grapes take us, mm. you know. Viognier, I think, think we do real well here and, and um, same with Albarino. Mm. So I've been a pretty big proponent of, you know, pushing Albarino, you know, out. And, yeah. And we're, we're playing with a lot more. So we're yeah. doing more kind of barrel, uh, barrel albarinos as well as native fermentations mm. and, and things like that. Yeah, I really, I'm not a, I'm a red wine guy, mm-hmm. red blend guy to be specific. I really, I really like the Bordeaux blends that are coming out of Virginia, especially. But albarino, I, I like that a mm-hmm. lot. And uh, so I'll be interested to see your, your guys' take on it mm-hmm. coming out of the barrel. Now, I know in uh, Virginia, first let me ask you, uh, previous to uh, Sunset Hill, did you have any experience farming any outside of the state of Virginia? All my farming's been been here in Virginia. Okay, okay. Because I know it's particularly challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things that I brag about to people who uh, champion other areas of the country's right. wine, and it's it's all good. I mean, you know, there's well, it's not all good, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but most of it, most of it's good. They all have their own character. But I'm particularly proud of being a homer here. I'm from DC, but mm-hmm. a lot of my family's from Virginia that the uh, grape growers here are very talented because right. you guys put up 
have to deal with a lot of yeah. different conditions and and uh, forces of nature, yeah. so to speak. Absolutely. Is there anything that, that's particularly like uh, that uh, you find particularly challenging? Like I, mean, I know there's you got the temperature and you got the mm-hmm. humidity and you got the, the disease and all of that kind of stuff. Is there something that you're? It's you know it, it's really the 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 unknown. So you know there is no consistency here, and <laughs> you know so you know I, I mentioned I started here in 2016. Three weeks before I started here, there was a uh, uh, hailstorm that started basically from the top of this mountain and ran all the way to Middleburg. I've heard a lot about this storm. <laughs> we lost 50% of our crop. Oh, geez. Um, you know, half of our canopy. As a matter of fact, I remember Nate was in Middleburg for a meeting when that happened. His car was totaled. Mm. So, I mean, that's, that's how substantial it was. Yeah. 17 was kind of a non-event. You know, it was a really nice year. 18, Rain. worst year on record. 19, best year on record. You know, 20, kind of middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just you just never know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, last year we had, you know, the, the latest. It wasn't even a frost. It was a freeze event, you know, that I think that we had ever seen here. And, you know, so, you know, the, the farm, everything at the bottom of the hill, we lost all the peaches all the strawberries, all the pears, all mm. the, you know, most of the cherries, you know, things like that. You know, things kind of coming up the hill survived better. So, you know, it kind of shows a little bit about, you know, be careful where you plant. Right. But, you know, really it's just the, the inconsistency is, is yeah. such a challenge here. And I'm still glued to the weather channel, you know, every five minutes, you know, coming into harvest and things like that. But I'm finally at that point where, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. You know, I, when, when you're talking 50 acres of, of vines and right. multiple locations, you know, we're not going to run out and, you know, put fire pots, you know, to combat, you know, frost or freeze or, you know, I can't stop the hail from coming, you know? Right. So, right. so, you know, if anything, it's, it's a challenge, but in some regards, it's kind of a good challenge, you know, mm-hmm. because it does make you think, you know, it's how do you get through a year like 2018 yeah. and still make wine that, it's kind of credible if you made yeah. wine. Yeah. So. Listeners to the pod know that I'm relatively new to wine, meaning within the last six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And what I've come to learn here, and I've always, like I said, I'm a homer, so I like to brag on stuff from home. And when I found that, you know, they were making great wine now mm-hmm. in Virginia and in a, a few places in Maryland, where is where I live now, um, I, I brag about it. But now learning about what you have to go through in order to produce a really fine bottle of wine in Virginia. I have big respect for it. <laughs> I mean, this is it's not just pick the grapes and crush them and ferment them and you're done. I mean, it's just in order to even get a grape that's worth crushing here, it, it says a lot for you, <laughs> to what you guys do. I have big respect for you. Now, you all have a, uh, Bluemont has, sounds like, quite a few acres mm-hmm. under vine. Um, when you have to go, especially when you run into things like hailstorms and stuff that destroy quite a bit of the mm-hmm. crop, uh, source elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Do you try to keep it within a certain uh, geographic area if you can? Do you try to stay within the state of Virginia or stay within the county? Yeah, I mean, pretty much every everything we bring in is Loudoun County. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there there are. There's one exception, you know, which is one and a half to two tons of grapes come in from from out of state. Mm-hmm out of our 160 tons that we processed last year. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a drop in the bucket, but it was, it was something that I started playing with that, you know, I just didn't have access to here. 
So what grape was that? Um, there's a, a Cab Sauv. You know, uh, play yeah. With. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, talk about an inconsistent grape here. Yeah. But, um, but outside of that, we source everything from Loudoun County. Occasionally, something will come in from Fauquier or Shenandoah. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you know, very, very small, you know, small percentages. And usually what it comes down to is you don't even plan on it. Mm -hmm. And then you're in the middle of harvest and somebody calls, hey, I've got, you know, two extra tons of something, you know, that, you know, needs to find a home. And it's like, well, sure, let's bring it. Right. So I'm kind of the, the home for wayward grapes, I think. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, whenever I have a plan, it, it doesn't, doesn't really stick to it. Right. Uh, but it's kind of like, yeah, sure, let's bring it in. You know? Right. Um, but. Well, that means you're doing a lot of uh, volume. I mean, you know, you, I'm sure you wouldn't bottle it if you couldn't sell it. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I interviewed uh, Ashton Lowe down at uh, Bull Run. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what he was, you know, they, because they're pretty much like a, a, a tourist attraction right. the, in their, you know, because of Bull Run, uh, they need to make wine, yep. you know. <laughs> so, yeah. so, like he was saying, they try to keep it within Virginia, but sometimes you just got to have wine on, on hand. Right. And we're, we're kind of in the same position because we've got great country farms at the bottom. Yeah. And, you know, especially after a year like last year, you know, people, people aren't running from winery to winery to winery anymore. Right. You know, it was, let's find one location that we're comfortable with. Right. And so, you know, here it was, you know, bring the kids down to the farm, have them run around, go pick some apples and come up to the winery and, you know, get, you know, get a glass and then go over to the brewery and, you know, have a beer. So it's like everybody in the family is, you know, kind of satiated and we've got a great view and that's a huge selling point here. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're family friendly and, you know, so... Yeah, no, it's it's a great spot, and that's what actually I'm like not making an excuse, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's what kept me from going. Usually, most of the people I interviewed uh, at the beginning of my podcast, I'd been there before, mm -hmm. and then last year, you know, Absolutely. I was going to spots where I was part of the wine club, where I just been there, and I was it was comfortable and easy to go. Yep, and I wasn't doing as much exploring. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully, that's that will change this next year. And I really think you guys are going to, uh, again, knock on wood that, the, you know, think everything goes well. I think the wine industry, especially in Loudoun County, should do real well this summer, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to go back to where it was in terms of complete chaos. I think, I think a lot of the wineries have had to pivot a little bit and change their models. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do feel like a lot of those changes are going to stay in effect, you know, yeah. whether it's reservation systems or, or this or right. that. Um, I don't think it's going to be a free-for-all, but, yeah. you know... If done right, the revenue's there and the traffic's there. And yeah. Well, I, now I see you have a lot of outdoor space here, but mm. some of the wineries I was familiar with and who I've spoken to, um, and you never like to say that yeah. a pandemic's a good thing. However, because they had to make changes in their model in order to stay in business, mm. they've actually increased revenue streams for themselves yeah. <laughs> when, they, when they can get back you know, up and running. So um, it, it, it sort of forced them to do things and expand their businesses in ways they didn't think of. And then, and yeah. now they're going to benefit from it in the long run. I yeah. And I, and I think, I think that's a common thread. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think a lot of people, you know, who have pivoted, you know, instead of, you know, instead of sitting there, you know, feeling like the, the world is crashing down on them because it, because it was, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, if they were able and had the means and, and the, the, the will to go about it, you know, and to make some of these changes, you know, I think, I think it has, turned into a good thing mm -hmm. and 
you know, I mean, to some degree, I think it also has made it seem like going out to a winery is a little more serious than it was before. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, let's let's actually plan on it. You know, let's spend some time there yeah. instead of, you know, all right, let's slam a flight and go to the next one. Right, you know? right. So, you know, hopefully they're kind of savoring it a little bit more. Yeah, or, yeah, know. maybe they had time to sit at home and actually drink and contemplate the bottle. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and instead of just slamming, you said, like you said, a flight. Well, and then you know maybe joining a club and having a little more allegiance because yeah. I kind of get what the winery is about now. Right, so. right. Well, a question I usually ask, but I think you answered it and give me your background is that I usually ask, you know, if you weren't doing this, mm-hmm. but you know, what do you think you would be doing? But I think you'd be <laughs> uh, behind a drum set, <laughs> yeah. or behind us, or behind a soundboard. One of the two. Yeah, I, I, I kind of kind of pivot a little bit, you know, every, yeah. every now and then, you know, I'll delve back into it. And, you know, when you know, kind of prior to the pandemic, you know, I was still doing, um, you know, studio a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was also doing kind of front of house, you know, fill in, you know, uh, gigs, you know, doing sound, you know, on occasion. But everybody I work for, they're all travel things. Yeah. So I think, you know, the last show I did was a year or two after I was here and it was going to mix a band in Sweden at Sweden rock for 50,000 people. <laughs> wow. And so, you know, it's like, you know, you disappear for two or three days and, you know, it's like, all right, you know, I'll get my, you know, get my rock on right. and then come back, you know, and in the moment I'm back on the plane, I'm like, I can't wait to get home and get get on a tractor. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a very weird, you know, it's yeah. like, I want to go play, but yeah, I, you know, I, I want to yeah. stay here and work. And you know, so, <laughs> It's, it's wow. confusing, but fun. I, I better make sure this sounds right. <laughs> You're a sound engineer. Um, for somebody who is listening and uh, have maybe been to a winery or liked wine and contemplated a career and being a winemaker, do you have any advice for them? Or, or what would you say to someone like that? Careful what you wish for. Uh, <laughs> there's, you know, um, I've, I've, I've found the same thing as a record producer as I find as a winemaker, which is... You get a lot of people who are very interested initially because they're like, oh, I like wine. Oh, I like music. You know, it's like, I want to do what, what you do. Yeah. And um, looks very glamorous. Yeah. And there's nothing glamorous about this. There's, <laughs> you know, this is glorified farming and you know, you're at the whims of Mother Nature. And, you know, when you start talking harvest, you know, they're long, long, long days. Um, yeah, they could potentially be glorious outside. They could be cold and rainy and. You could have snow. I mean, you know, you just never know. But it's um, it's it's fulfilling where at the end of the day you can look back and see what you accomplished. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we took these grapes and we crushed them and they're in a tank and they're fermenting and and that's exciting. But um, you know, it it is work and it's dirty work and um, yeah, at the same time it's it's fun. You know, but, you know, you got to keep a sense of humor about it. But it's, um, it's not glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's farming. Yeah. And, you know, farming, farming really is not sexy, you know, yeah. but it's, uh, but, but it is, it is a cool gig. Yeah. You know? I can see where it can be quite rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, quite rewarding. If I remember correctly, you, I would say you started making wine, what, 2012-ish? I don't even know what year it is now. So I've been a full-time winemaker for 10 years. Okay. And prior to that, you know. We can, okay, let's wind yeah. it back 10 years. Let's yeah. just make it a round okay. number. Because yep. what I'm going to ask you is this. If you could send a text message back to yourself in uh, 2011 mm-hmm. and tell yourself something that you wish you knew in 2011 that you've known 
you know now because of your 10 years of experience, uh, what would that be, if anything? Get better boots <laughs> and get a forklift much sooner than, than I did. <laughs> so, yeah. What were you using before you got the forklift? But at, at, <laughs> at, at times, so yeah. so as a, as a vineyard owner, yeah, there, there yeah. was uh, there, there was a lot of a lot of times where I, I should have had you know forks for my tractor or, or something else because there yeah. was a lot of just carrying stuff you know around. Um, at sunset, for the first number of years, we had just a tractor with with forks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the problem with with a lot of these these wineries, especially in Loudon, is you know they they tend to at least the original probably thirty or forty or in existing buildings, you know, whether it was, you know, a barn or this or that, and then you expand mm-hmm. and sometimes it's into a different building. So all of a sudden, you know, stuff is over here and stuff is over here and stuff is over here. And then you're just moving stuff all around the property, whether it's wine or barrels or, or this or that. Um, you know, I love seeing the the new wineries come on where it's actually planned and, and put together <laughs> correctly. It's like, wow, you know, everything can live in one space and nothing has to go outside. And, right. You know, one of the purposes of this podcast is that I uh, promote the craft beverage industry mm-hmm. in the area, particularly the wineries. And I feel very close to the wineries because I guess that's where I started. And I've gotten to know a lot of the people. And I walked into uh, many of these wineries back six years ago, mm-hmm. very skeptical. But, you know, I was not very confident about what I was going to get in the glass. And uh, that's changed dramatically. As I said, I, I, you know, some, some of the wines that are coming out of Virginia I put against any bottle in the world. Is there anything that uh, you would like to tell people about if I asked you to make a comment about Virginia wine to somebody who's never had any Virginia wine and may not be super confident about, about what's coming out of Virginia? Mm-hmm. What, what can you say? Just, just open a bottle and drink it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that's going to speak for itself. You know, I mean, you know, what's the worst thing that happens? You know, you... Put it aside and use it as your second bottle if it's not your favorite. <laughs> you know, it's you know the wine industry here has changed a lot, mm-hmm. and and it's constantly evolving. You know, it's not you know it's not staying still. It's not sitting still. We've got a lot of really great winemaking talent here that wants to keep pushing things forward. Yeah, you know, we've got a lot of you know great great vineyard folks that want to keep pushing forward. And you know, we we went through that stage. You know where you know, we probably got a bad rap because we were a young industry. People wanted to plant what they wanted to drink. And so it's like, let me put in, you know, Pinot or Zinfandel or Cab Sauv or this or that. And then, you know, you eventually figure out, you know, it's, it's not consistent. You know, we have disease, we have weather, you know, we have, you know, birds and animals and, you know, whatever it is. We've finally figured out what we can grow. And, you know, now we're really honing in on the vineyard practices, you know, to get more consistent ripening and flavor, flavor profiles and things like that. And, you know, from the winery perspective, we are in a position now where the winemakers now have history with these vineyards. Mm-hmm. And in, instead of, you know, well, I'm getting Chardonnay from this place this year and last year it was from this place. And, you know, it's... Um, you know, it's not as new of an experience. So, you know, you tend to know roughly what you're going to get, what you did last year and how you want to refine it. You get one shot a year to do this. Yeah. And so, you know, having that track record, you know, really helps. So, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you know, guys like, 
you know, Nate or, or Doug Fabioli or, you know, Jordan Harris. I mean, there, there's so many, you know, talented people here that are really trying to push the envelope mm -hmm. and, you know, it's exciting and invigorating for, for everybody, you know? So I, you know, if there's a bottle of Virginia wine, you've never had it, just buy it, just drink it. You know, I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, it's wine. It's not going to hurt you. you know? <laughs> All right. And finally, let's talk about Blumont mm -hmm. Virginia wine. Uh, what, what do you, what do you want people to know about what you're doing here and, and why should they come out to, you know, I mean, it can be the same story that everybody has, you know, handcrafted small batch, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, but here, you know, I, I really feel, and, and like most wineries, you know, there's, there's a lot of love and a lot of attention that, that go into the wines here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I like to think that, you know, Bluemont is an experience. And so whether it's the, the view or the, the family perspective or, you know, the wines, I mean, it all plays a role together. So it's not just about the wine. It's not just about the view. You know, it, it, you know, it, it, it's a thing. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, I, I really feel like, um, you know, that's what we've tried to put together. And so, you know, the wines play with the environment here. The environment plays with the wines. The food works with the wines. So, you know, it's kind of a group effort. It's collaborative. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, that's really, you know, what I think we're about, you know. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to, you know, you've got the collaborative aspect. And, you know, then you take the sum of the whole and that's the family. And so, so that's where we go with it. I'd like to um, recommend that, you know, those of you listening who come down to Loudoun to visit the wineries, so please stop by Bluemont. I know I'll be back. But, you know, coming from D.C., going through Loudoun County, you got to pass a lot of wineries where you get here. And it can be distracting. So if you're listening to this, you know, go on, the, look at their website. It's a beautiful website. And um, come by and check them out because they, they really seem to be doing some really great stuff here. And I'm going to give you some unsolicited marketing advice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a marketing guy. Mm -hmm. The family that, that, that started this place, Jershmeet, mm -hmm. there's certain names that should be on a label. Right. Jershmeet should be on a label. Because yeah. I would, you know, it just seems like something I would say like, have you had, have you had a bottle of Jershmeet? I got a bottle laying down right. for like, five, okay. I got a five-year-old bottle of Jershmeet that I think maybe a couple more years it's ready to open, that type of thing. That's, anyway, that's true. That's that's very true. <laughs> you, now you don't need gimmicks to sell your wine. Let me get that straight for people listening. But God, when I saw that name at the on the website, I was like, "Wow, that's a good name." Yeah. Not like Smith. That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not like Smith. So, anyway, Scott, thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Um, and I look forward to talking to you about the cidery because mm -hmm. I know nothing about that. You think I know nothing about wine? Even less about cider. So yes, I don't. I don't know it either. So. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks so much. Well, that's another show in the books. I had a great time speaking with Scott Spellbring of Bluemont Vineyard. If you live in or near the DMV or if you're visiting Loudoun County, Virginia, please do yourself a favor and stop by Bluemont Vineyard and Great Country Farms. And please, whoever you meet there, tell them that you heard about them on Barrel Tasting. Scott, thank you again for being on the show. You're always welcome to come and discuss all things Virginia wine, winemaking, and sound mixing related. I, and I really hope that this podcast sounds right. <laughs> Actually, Scott's going to be back next week to talk about Henway Hard Cider. So don't miss that one. Cider is really interesting. It won't surprise you all to know that I know very little about that. So it was a good conversation. 
I'm all about promoting the craft beverage industry in the DMV because it's some of the best in the nation. If you agree, please share the podcast. The more it grows, the more I can get the word out about the craft beverage culture in the DMV. This show was written, produced, and birthed by yours truly. I'm Howard Fletcher. I'll be back with another craft beverage maker in the DMV to introduce to you. I know there's a ton of media you could be listening to besides me, and that's why I work so hard to bring you the content that I do. I truly appreciate your time investment in me. Thanks again for listening. Remember, always have a designated driver, so I'll see you next time. East Vicata. You have been listening to Barrel Tasting with Howard Fletcher, part of the Fletcher Podcast Group. You can reach Howard at his website, barreltastingpod.com. I'm Asia Blue. Thanks for listening. See you next time.